Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's look at all things related to the Miami Heat and the NBA. I am Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press. I'm filling in for the Miami Herald's David Wilson this week because Anthony Chang didn't want to be the one who said hello at the start of the podcast, and that is really the only reason why I'm doing this introduction. I so love that. Let's bring in Anthony. Let's bring in the Herald, the Herald's Heat beat writer, Anthony. How you doing? How's preseason? For you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm just, you know, I'm a diva, the star of the podcast. You know, usually you know, doesn't host. Like you are <laughs> Like you want to be like. Well, I'm going to date myself with this reference here, but like, you know, David and I are Ed McMahon to your Johnny Cars, basically, which is fine. Like we'll give away publishers clearing us prizes the rest of our lives. We're good with that. Exactly. There you go. I mean, I, I, I and you're just much better at that than I am. So. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you you were willing to do the uh, the opening here, because this oh, is this is this is uncharted territory for us. I mean, I think David has hosted pretty much every Heat Check podcast since I started at the Miami Herald. So this is a first. Wherever David is right now in the world, he is currently gripped by fear that something terrible is about to happen. I, I so he he feels a disturbance in the atmosphere. I'm sure right now he's like something terrible is occurring, and I'm. I, I feel for him because, you know, something terrible probably is going to happen here in the next few minutes, so it's fine. When he, when, he, uh, when he gets this file to edit uh, for the final version, uh, I'm sure he's going to be very interested to see how the opening and, and pretty much the, the, the closing uh, sounds. The, oh, the closing. The closing's legit. Still- I have a couple ideas for the closing. But anyway, it's, <laughs> I, I, think, I say hello out of, out of love and respect. David is so good, so talented. I am so ill-equipped to even pretend. I'm not even going to try to fill his shoes. I'm just not. We're not even trying. We are going to press on. We're going to get through this without David. David's doing important football stuff this week, so we're just going to move on without And besides, it's the preseason. Look, if Jimmy, Goran, and Andre can skip a game, David can skip a pot. Yeah, that's acceptable. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Good way. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So let's. I mean, so let's get into it. You know, the countdown. You know, is is on here now. I mean, we're basically a week. We're less than a week now away from the start of what's obviously going to be a very busy and a very strange NBA season. The preseason right now, thankfully, it's winding down. We got to get into Monday night, what we saw from the preseason opener against New Orleans. We got to talk about Friday. We've got to talk about game one at Orlando. In a week, we've got to talk about Giannis. We got a lot to get to, so we'll get into all the regular season stuff in a little bit. Anthony, let's start at the beginning. Let's start when we saw that one preseason game already. And, And even before we get into what the atmosphere was like in a very weird, very empty American Airlines arena, let's talk about what happened on the floor. What did you like, and what maybe didn't you like so much from that first rehearsal that we saw from the reigning Eastern Conference champs? Well, Bam Adebayo is still good. Uh, Duncan Robinson can still shoot the ball really well, and Tyler Hero, still still very good at. He he really improved at finishing around the basket uh, in the bubble, and it seems like that's carried over at least in the first preseason game. So those are all good things. Obviously, as you noted, um, Jimmy and and Andre and Goran didn't play, so it's hard to take too much from the rotation obviously um but I, you know obviously it wasn't the result wasn't positive for the heat they lost by 22 points it's preseason really doesn't matter 
Uh, but I guess the thing that sticks out, and Eric Spolstra talked about it after the game, players talked about it, was the rebounding. You know, you get out rebounded by 16 uh, boards, which is not good. That was an issue in the finals. Um, and defensively, they fouled a ton. Um, and again, Jimmy was not out there. He's arguably your best perimeter defender. Um, but uh, that, that is a little bit, I guess, something to watch. Um, other than that, I, I, I'll say this. like The one thing I'll take away and the one thing I was worried about entering this season is the loss of Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder was really unique. He, he, he's a guy that could stretch the floor, was a three, but really could guard up because he's so strong and so sturdy. You don't really have a guy like that anymore on your roster um, with that versatility, with that ability to guard up. And you kind of saw that a little bit exposed there with Zion in that first preseason game. And mo they put more Harkless on Zion. He had trouble. He fouled out, I think, in the third quarter. Um, really couldn't do much, even though Mo's a good, really good defender. He was giving up so much weight to Zion that um, it, it was a tough matchup for him. So I, I think that's the one thing that I was worried about. Like where, where, who would replace that 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 role that Jay had, especially in the playoffs against guys like Giannis. Um, and, and I, I don't know if there's a guy like that on this roster right now. I mean, I, I'm with you. In fairness, like, there aren't too many guys in the league who are going to have an easy time with Zion. For sure. Not, yeah, yeah. That. So, you know, I think Spo tried some stuff. I, I, I agree with you that the rebounding, there were some finals flashbacks there without question. Um, you know, some, it, it, they just didn't look split, and, and they're not going to. It's preseason game number one. You know, we don't know what's gone upstairs in the practice court. We don't know how hard they've been going. We don't know what they've been working on. I I am kind of of the philosophy on preseason that, in a weird way, I think Eric Spolstra wanted to see some big problems because I think to break up the monotony of camp, and to almost get guys' attention a little bit, like I think the worst thing for the Heat would have been no Goran, no Jimmy, no Andre, unusual five-man groupings that you're never going to see in a regular season game ever. I think the worst thing for him would have been like Heat 121, Pelican 79. Because there wouldn't have been a whole lot to get mad about. There wouldn't have been a whole lot to teach, to harp on, and film for the next couple of days. I, I think seeing especially the rebounding and, 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 and why it wasn't good. I think Spode in a weird way likes that. I mean, coaches are, you know, coaches are sick human beings to begin with. We all know this, mm -hmm. but I think it was, I think it was valuable in that regard. Like you don't want, you want some stuff to go well. Bam was still very, very smooth in the mid range. Um, I like Tyler's aggressiveness. Tyler's Tyler had a couple of finishes that I was like, wow. I mean, yeah. I know it's preseason, but you, you're, you get reminded that there's obviously much more to that kid than just a shooting ability. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Duncan looked as confident as ever. You know, one thing that I asked, I, I was going to do a story on it, actually, and then I decided not to based on the answers I got and then what I've been seeing. There's no, de you know, depth perception is a real thing for shooters. It's an empty building, right? Like they had the bubble built, the bubble was like a shoebox. These arenas will hold like three, four, five, six thousand people up at Disney, but you couldn't tell that the way it was built. It was built to just basically be a court, and then there was, you know, just basically, you know, that black drape, you know, that pipe and drape stuff. It was a very intimate setting. It was like a small concert kind of setting in the bubble. 
So shooters didn't have much to look at behind the backboard. It was just, it was a perfect backdrop. Here, it's empty seats. It's the red, it's the orange, it's the yellow, whatever the color tech, color scheme at the arena is. And I think I've always contended that can throw off shooters in an empty building. And it really didn't seem to be the case for Tyler and Duncan. Now, granted, they are two of the best shooters walking the planet. But it, it didn't seem to throw off the shooters too much. So I was curious about that because that's going to be an issue, obviously, for much of the season. It's going to be the empty building thing. And it doesn't seem to be bothering players too much. Yeah, I mean, the, the Heat went, they didn't shoot well from three, you know, 13 or 46, 28%. But a lot of that was, you know, Max Truss was 3 of 11. Avery Bradley was over 4. Kendrick Nunn is 0 for 6. So those three guys right there, like 3 for 21, like that's going to bring down your three-point shooting percentage. The guys who, you know, most of the guys who usually make their threes did that. You know, Dun- like you said, Duncan and Tyler shot the ball well. Um, and Goran wasn't playing. So, you know, that that, that doesn't help either. But, you know, I, I, I think so much has been made about the two-month offseason for the Heat. And I, you know, maybe we're making too much of it. You know, that is a very short offseason. And you saw Jimmy, the veterans basically did not play. Um, and I don't know if they're going to play Friday. I guess we'll get into that in a little bit, Tim. But um, I, New Orleans had more, they have more to more to do this, this preseason. You kind of saw that, like Zion playing 33 minutes, Brandon Ingram playing 30 plus minutes, I believe. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to install a system. Stan Van Gundy's first season. They haven't played in what, um, I guess, four or five months or so around there they, i mean they, they didn't make the playoffs so um you know they they have more to do and you you saw they played a kind of their rotation almost you know i know guys were out for them but the guys who were in there like they, they, those are the guys who are going to play minutes so it was a, it was two you saw two different approaches i think in that preseason oh no question yeah no question um I do want to get into Max Struss for a second, too, but I'll say one thing about New Orleans is the reminder. Obviously, you know, Heat fans will see them on Christmas Day, um, apparently on television. Apparently fans won't be back quite yet. We'll get get into that in a second, too. Um, That was a New Orleans team without J.J. Redick on the floor. Yeah. The West is going to be crazy. (laughs) It really is. It's not going nuts. I mean, one preseason game, I get it. But, like, Stan's going to have that team playing a different way than Alvin Gentry. Is it required that the Pelicans have to have a former Heat coach? I just realized that. They had Alvin, now they got Stan. Um, They're going to play really hard for him. And and they're going to play hard for him because Stan, for as much as he doesn't want to be a likable guy, I think he's a guy that coaches. I think he's a coach that guys really want to play for. And the fact that the leader of that room and J.J. Redick has already been through it with Stan, and when guys get upset with Stan and every player gets upset with their coach at some point, I think the Pelicans could be really, really good because they're going to play super hard. They've got a lot of talent. And you saw that. Like you said, it was two different approaches without question. But you know, New Orleans, I think, is a playoff team out west. Golden State is probably going to be a playoff team out west, even without Clay, that's two teams that weren't in last year's playoffs that I think are going to get in. Who are they going to replace? Like yeah. OKC is OKC. one of the teams that's probably going to fall out. Who's right. the other? Yeah, it, the West is going to be just, and the East isn't going to be a picnic either. But the West is just going to be bloody. It's going to be such a fun year from a playoff race standpoint. If if we get there, and the the fun part kind of segues into what I want to bring up with you next. You and I. 
um, we were two of what, maybe 40 people in the building who were not players or referees for yeah, stat crew. About. Like, it wasn't, it, obviously it was empty. Nobody was there. I'm sure some people watched. I'm sure people watched on, on TV. I'm sure they heard Eric and John. I'm sure some, some listened to Mike Inglis on radio. But I, I was prepared for it because I was in the bubble. I knew what no fans looks like. I'm just not used to seeing it at American Airlines Arena. What what were your what? How weird was it for you to sit there and yeah. see nothing? It was just see nobody. How weird was that? It was. But first of all, I want to say is uh, you were mentioning the West. Um, you didn't mention even Phoenix, real quick. Like Phoenix is another team that's going to be. Yes. They're, they're probably a playoff team. Like the West is going to be crazy. But anyway, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was definitely strange and i was going to ask you that like how you, know, you you covered a bunch of games in the bubble um that was a unique environment um but i'm guessing this is this is even another level just to be in a building that large you know holds twenty one thousand people or so and have basically empty other than media and arena staff um and then team staff um that, that's it, it was it was strange the the Piping in crowd noise. I know pretty much every team is doing that right now with no, when there's no fans in the building. That was weird. Um, the empty concourses. Like I went to eat dinner because we're not allowed to eat at our seats um, at, at, a, at one of the outside balconies on the arena by myself. Um, and I got locked out. Tim, you had to come rescue me. I was locked out. Like it's I just. Said, Hello. When I opened the door, through, <laughs> you, I said, you did. Hello. You, you did, and and it was just it's just weird walking around the building where it's empty like that, you know, like well, that's the weird. That was hard. That was I think the the strangest part is walking around the building and it, it just being completely empty. It, it was it was strange. Like it was, you know, I didn't even realize. So they did a run through of the pregame announcements. Like they did a run through of the national anthem. They did a run through of the the moment of silence that they had for WTBJ's Bernie Rosen who, you know, just who means he's on the sports media Mount Rushmore in Miami. And, you know, he passed last week. Condolences to his two sons, um, his family. He touched a lot of people in this town, obviously. They had the, the moment of silence for Bernie, and we didn't know what to do when it was over. So I think we applauded. I mean, I, I think the three of us, me, you, and Ira, I think we all applauded. A couple other people clapped. And they did it again a half hour later because we didn't realize it was the warm-up. Like, it was just such an unusual setting. It was it was strange to me. It was strange to me to watch the ball go out of bounds and have it roll, like, 37 feet off the court like it would at the playground. Yeah. Because there's no – there are no courtside seats there. There's nothing to stop the ball. There's no fans. To, it was it was so it, – it, it, it was unusual. And, again, it speaks to the times. I'll, I'll give you – a funny for me, I had a I had a technical difficulty that night. My I had a problem with I still use because I'm old. I use a wired headphone when I'm at a, I, my headphones are wired, so I can hear zooms and that sort of thing. Wires are so two thousand, Tim. Come on, wires are so two thousand. They they really are. I'm I'm actually speaking right now on a Commodore sixty four computer, <laughs> but it still works. So why not? Um. So I I asked. The, the Heat um, Sports Media Relations staff, the NBA's best, I might add, congratulations to them, picked as the NBA's best media relations crew, 
the last season. Um, I asked them if they had another headphone cable. And after they gave me appropriate amounts of grief for not using wireless headphones, they said, yeah, we have one. We'll, we'll get it to you. Well, we couldn't figure out how to get it to me. Like people can't come from down there yeah. to up where we are. Yeah. We can't cross zones. There are just so many rules now that we never thought of. It was, it was, it, it was, it was bizarre. And I said, I wanted to bring up Max Struss. Like, he's not going to play for this team. Like, we know that. Mm-hmm. So Monday was his lone opportunity to play in American Airlines Arena in a game situation. And fans would have loved it. Fans would have gone crazy for the guy. Fans would have cheered for him. It, it's, it just stinks to me that he couldn't get that. I mean, I understand. It's not the Heat's decision. I mean, you know, the world that we're in right now, you can't have, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. But what if he never gets that chance again? Yeah. I know there are much bigger tragedies in life right now, but like, how cool would that have been for him? He gets out there, he plays hard, he deserved this moment. And I know he'll still have the moment forever of saying that he played in that preseason game and he played against Zion and made some shots and, you know, but it was, he's a, he's a guy that most fans don't know and they would have really enjoyed that moment and he would have enjoyed hearing them and he gets robbed of that. And I really kind of felt bad for him in that, just, just with the reality of that, again, knowing there are bigger problems in the world. But I, I really felt bad that those little moments too so get, get lost in all this. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and and another thing I found weird was, not weird, but just different, was you saw like Heat front office members just sitting in chairs around the court. Like Alonzo Mourning was like sitting in a chair like near half court. Um, Pat Riley and Mickey Harrison were sitting socially distanced at a courtside table alone. Um, like it was just, it was just a weird environment like it's that's not what you usually see you don't see like guys just sitting like front office staff of both teams i think sitting in chairs literally literally just chairs around the court um it was it was almost like it almost had like a scrimmage type feel even though you know it was preseason and it was an actual game but that's kind of what it felt to me like just because of of the setup and uh, i'm so used to seeing that building packed and hearing all the fan you know the fan noise and just everything that comes with, you know, a, a game at American Airlines Arena. There's so much production involved, um, and it, you know, it was it was different. But I guess I don't like this to use this word, but it's kind of the new normal for now. Um, I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, I know the Heat, like you said, have have announced that there won't be fans in the home opener either on Christmas Day against the Pelicans. Past that, they haven't made a decision yet. Um, so I guess we'll see how long you know a fanless uh, American Airlines Arena lasts. I think with fans in Orlando and with fans in yeah. Tampa, not, not for Friday, but with fans in Tampa, it, it is evident that obviously in the state of Florida, it's allowed. Um, they're both going to be at about 20% capacity, it looks like, in those buildings. I have to wonder if by the time Giannis and the Bucks come to town, and we'll get to Giannis in a little bit too, but I have to wonder if those games, what are they, the 29th and 30th? I kind of wonder if by then. We'll see fans, I, and I don't know. I'm not. I'm not hinting that it's going to happen, but I do think that I, I do have to wonder. Like when the Heat see, okay, the Magic will have a revenue stream with even four thousand fans, and the Raptors are planning about thirty. I think it's thirty-eight hundred. You know, how long will the Heat sit it out on on that front? I don't think it'll be too much longer. I I don't know. Do Do you think? 
mean, players would love to play in front of 20,000 people. Players would love to play in front of 200,000 people. Yeah. Do you think this is going to matter to them? I mean, guys went through the bubble, so they're somewhat used to it. But do you think this is going to affect quality of play? Do you think guys are going to... Do you think guys will have as much fun without 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 fans there to yell at them or yell for them? I, I don't think it's going to matter that much. I, I think... Maybe it's not as fun, you know, people like playing, especially at home, people like playing at home and just the energy that provides, but I think once the game starts, you know this, Tim, you saw it in the bubble, like, the quality of play in the bubble was very high, and I know, really? and I know some teams were, you know, they, they said they were impacted by the by the unique environment, I think a lot of that, honestly, was it wasn't even just playing in an empty building, but it was living in a bubble, like, that's hard, I think that was, mo- that impacted guys most, um, you know, in Disney. Just this, the isolation of that. Now, with guys able to go home, and yes, they have to be careful, and they have to get tested every day, um, and there are strict rules you have to follow, but they can go home to family, they can go home to see you know friends that, that they're close to and are in their circle. Um, I think an empty arena, while it'll be different, and it'll be an adjustment, and like you said, maybe shooters, it'll take a little bit. I, I, I think once the game starts, guys are such, like in their own heads and in their own this focus on what's going on in the court that I don't think it'll matter too much. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I just think, again, we're not supposed to use the phrase, but you said it, so I'll say it. Yeah. Every time I tweet it, I get yelled at, but the new normal. I mean, you know, it's been this way since March 11th. I mean, this isn't a new thing anymore. For some teams, I mean, some teams haven't played, but, you know, the Heat played, what, 25 games in the bubble or more, 30 maybe? I don't even I, Eight and then I don't know how many did they played. Twenty-one, the I, mean, I think. Twenty or thirty-something yeah. games in the bubble, yeah. so it was. So they're they're somewhat, somewhat used. To it. A minute ago, we brought up the possibility of, you know, maybe by the time those Bucks games come to town, maybe we'll have fans in the seats at the AAA, or whatever it's going to be called. <laughs> I noticed no American Airlines yeah. Arena on the court anymore, so maybe that's a sign that something's coming. We don't know. Um, we mentioned we know who will be here, and that's Giannis. And he will have, you know, they, they had the bottles of champagne on the conference room in Milwaukee when he signed the contract yesterday. Uh, on what was it on uh, Tuesday mm-hmm. when he signed? Um, obviously, he took it. He took the supermax, two hundred twenty-eight million for five years, unlike Bam's deal in Miami. Giannis has an option going into that last year. Bams doesn't. Um, I was not surprised he yeah. signed it. I was surprised that the reaction everywhere seemed to be, well, Giannis is with the Bucks forever now. And, you know, all he did was guarantee his salary. He guaranteed his financial future. He, he can be traded. He can be moved. And somebody's got to pay a king's ransom to get him if the Bucks choose to move him at some point. But, you know, a reminder, people, uh, no contract. <laughs> not be moved. They all can be moved yeah. at some point. Were, were you? I guess two questions. One, were you surprised he signed? And, and also, what do you think this means for the great Ballyhood summer of 2021, particularly as it affects the guys working at 601 Biscayne Boulevard? What do you think? What do you think this is going to mean for next summer for the? Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not really surprised. I mean, everyone. If you look at the guys who've had decisions to make on extensions this offseason, pretty much everyone has taken it just because, I mean, it's a lot of money. It's an uncertain world right now. 
Um, it makes sense for him to take the money. I mean, and, and like you said, it, yes, it, it, it kind of, I mean, he's not going to be a free agent in 2021. There's that. But he could still be traded. He can't be traded the first year of the, uh, for the next year after signing the extension. But after that, if he wants to be traded, I mean, we've seen stars do it before, whether it's James Harden, whether it's Paul George, whether it's Kawhi Leonard. Guys get traded in the middle of contracts. Like, it just, it's the NBA. Guys, players have the power to do that. So, it gives, you know, this is good. This is all good for Milwaukee. It gives them more time, buys them more time to, to put a, you know, win a championship with him and, you know, try to convince him to stay there for his entire career. Um, but it doesn't guarantee anything. Um, but I do think for the Heat, when it comes to the Heat, I, after signing Bam, they weren't going to have. I mean, there were ways they they could just basically trade their entire roster except for Bam and Jimmy to to have room for Giannis. But realistically, they weren't going to have space for Giannis. They were going to have to pull off a sign and trade um, to to really to realistically make that happen. And even after the extension, they're in the same position. If they want to get Giannis in a couple years, they're going to have to trade for him, and he's probably going to want to come. He he has to say he wants to come here for that to happen. So it's. To me, it doesn't really change much. I mean, it, it kind of pushes back the timeline. I mean, it's not probably not going to happen in 2021 after he just signed this deal. Right. Um, but it's still possible, I guess. Um, but but I think in the in the in the short term, if you're the Heat, with Giannis kind of quote unquote off the board in 2021, I, I think it gives them more urgency. If there's a guy that becomes available, I know James Harden's a name right now, but. Bradley Beal, if he becomes available, like now you don't have that question of, well, should we trade for Bradley Beal? Should we wait for Giannis? I mean, is Giannis a possibility? Should we give that up? Like, I think now it makes the answer pretty clear. You brought up Mr. Harden. Uh, the Beard made his preseason debut um, against San Antonio the other night. Uh, 21 minutes, 12 points, 3 for 10, I think he was. Mm-hmm. Um, the beard looked very fluffy. Um, the internet will tell you that so did the rest of him. Looked, looked not quite ready for prime time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I know you're cringing at, at this, but like, I, I mean, I get the philosophy that no team in the league can ever have enough stars. And when a three-time reigning scoring champion comes available, you figure it out. You just figure out yeah. how to make it work. What does your Magadate Ball say about the beard? Do you think it's even feasible? Do you think it's something that he should be doing? Do you I think... Well, I guess as this story, it's not going to go away until he's traded somewhere. Right. And Miami's going to get linked to every player and every trade ever... And it happens that way because Heat Twitter just goes crazy every time somebody mentions a trade and people like their mentions lighting up. And I'm convinced that's why the Heat get linked to so many trades. Because I think people are just having fun with Heat Twitter. I honest to God believe that's the case. In this particular instance, where what's your thinking right now on Mr. Harden and if if the Heaters should take a swing at it? I mean, it's a complicated question, as you know, Tim. Um oh, Easy question. Not, it's so easy. I mean, he's a top. He's arguably a top five player in the league, and I think any team, if you have the chance to get James Harden, you at least explore the possibility. And I think that he'd have done that. I think they've explored it at least initially. 
Um, obviously, nothing has happened and nothing has even come close to happening. Um, but a team would be not doing their job if they didn't put a call into Houston. Um, if if, J, if you're on James Harden's list of, of preferred destinations. I'm sure a call has been made. Um, the, the, the real question is, to get a trade done with James Harden, you need to trade Tyler Hero. I mean, it's... I think that's obvious. Like to get any deal done that would satisfy Houston, you would need to include Tyler Hero in that trade. So the question is pretty simple: Would you trade Tyler Hero for James Harden? Would you trade your future for an established star that you know might or might not fit with who you already have on the roster? He's obviously very talented and probably the best scorer in the league. Um, defensively, there are questions. Off the court, you wonder how he'll fit in with a guy like Jimmy who is up at 3 a.m. Uh, working, not out. <laughs> um, so I, you wonder about that, but you can't question James Harden's talent. He's one of the best players in the league. And I think it's that it, it, that it's that simple question. I know there has to be other people in the deal to make the salaries match, but do you, would you trade Tyler Hero and having that affordable contract on a star who – you don't know what he's going to become. He could become Devin Booker. He could become better than Devin Booker. He could just be a fringe all-star that maybe makes one all-star game over his career and is just a really nice player. We don't know. But are you willing to give up on that for the now? And you know this better than me, Tim. Like The Heat are always in it for the now. And Eric Spolcher made an interesting comment yesterday, I think to your question, um, after practice. And he said, you know, ever since we've gotten Jimmy, we've felt the pressure to win now. It's not about down the road. It's to win now. Even he said responsibility. Yeah, responsibility, I guess. Oh, we have a responsibility. Is that they oh, Jimmy took this yeah. leap of faith on the Heat, so therefore the Heat must do everything in its power right. to help him fulfill the championship prophecy. I, I get it. I they have they have called. Yeah. I mean, know that I know that. Right. We, not a surprise. I will say this too, and I think people need to understand this. In the big three days, it is accurate to say that the Heat were engaged in trade talks about Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade. It's accurate to say that because when teams call you and say, what will it take? Right. You are therefore engaged in trade talks. Literally everybody gets talked about in trades. But context, everybody. but context matters, and that sometimes we lose context sight of that. Yeah. That's why when when it, when you say, and and when, when it gets said that the Heat have inquired, of course they have. Mm-hmm. They have probably inquired about everybody except Anthony's favorite player, Justice Winslow. <laughs> they probably inquired about everybody in the league except Justice. And uh, you knew that. Was by the way, you do it. I knew. I was just waiting for it. I'm sorry. It took us like two months, <laughs> a half hour mark before I did it. Um, and I'm done. I'm done with it. No more. Um, I, I, there's part of me that says, do not make this trade. Like, it's a big part of me, too. It says, do not, do not make this trade. I personally don't think Miami has enough assets for Houston. I think Houston... I think Houston is playing this perfectly so far. I think Houston is going to wait for the team that starts like six and eight and feels itself falling out of the race already. Remember, the race is shorter this year, 72 games, not 82. Yeah. And 
The East is going to be crazy. The West is going to be crazy. The the ninth place, you know, well, there's the play-in this year, but ultimately the team that the team that got closest and doesn't make the playoffs this year, chances are that's going to be a pretty good team in both conferences because there's that much depth on both sides of the league. So somebody who starts a couple games under 500 at like the quarter, or say 18 games in the 25% mark, if you are eight and 10 or seven and 11 at that point, you're going to feel pressure. And then Houston all of a sudden is in even more of a driver's seat. And the price just went up for James Harden when, when that happens. So I think Houston's played it perfectly. There, I, I don't have any doubt he's going to get moved. I was sitting there watching. We're taping this on Wednesday. I'm Tuesday night. Last night I'm watching Golden State play Sacramento. Don't ask me why. And I'm saying to myself, Golden State doesn't worry at all about luxury tax. Golden State doesn't worry about much of anything. You put James Harden on that team? Like, why wouldn't Golden State make up? I don't know if they have the assets. We'll take Draymond and James Watt. I don't know. If, I don't know if Houston would do it or why they would. I mean, Wiseman's oh. interesting. That might. That might. I mean, that's a that's a young number two pick. Like that might be. Yeah. Wiseman. I know. No, nobody's seen him play. I get it. But I do believe he's going to be a really good NBA yeah. player. Yeah. Do believe that. Um. But can, can we can we agree that I think if Philly is willing to give up. Ben Simmons, like that deal gets done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But then, like, you know what Philly can give up. And Houston knows what they I mean, are they really haggling over one more first-round pick? Like, is that what is that the only difference right now? In Would Philly be willing to give up one or two instead of two or three first-rounders plus Ben Simmons? I think if Houston was going to get a deal done with Daryl Morey, I think it'd be done by now. Yeah. Uh, and but again, it's like you have an asset. He's going to do things the right way. He's going to play. He's going to play well. He's going to be dropping thirty and forties every night. The stock's going to rise. I think it's prudent for Houston to not panic. I, I do think I, I have to wonder. Here's my question. Let, let's say the flip side of it's true. I said if a team starts like eight and ten or seven and eleven, do they panic and make the trade? Do they just hold their nose and say, all right, take, take my whole future, give me James Harden? What if Philly starts 13-5? and five? At that point, what impetus does Daryl Morey have to blow it up? If, yeah. if, if it's working, if Ben and Joel and the people they have there yeah. are working, then why do it? So it is kind of a, kind of a tightrope. Right. And if the, if, the heat, if the Heat start 5-12, and 12, I mean... All of a sudden, I'm, I'm I'm guessing on Twitter the James Harden talk is going to be very strong, and there will the Heat be. Are zero and one? <laughs> yeah. If the Heat are losing after 12 minutes of the opener in Orlando, it's going to be uh, fire spoke at James Harden. I'm surprised it hasn't happened after the loss on Monday. I'm pretty sure it did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it did. Um, I, heat, heat Twitter be crazy sometimes. Exactly. So, I, I I I um. And and interesting enough, like I, I I was wondering what James Harden and Jimmy Butler's relationship was, um, and and they're friends. Like not that that means like they would play well together or they would fit on the court together, but that means something. Like Jimmy Jimmy and and James are friends. You know they they think highly of each other, and that matters because Jimmy has a big say in this in decisions like this. So, but also you know Jimmy's very close to Tyler, so. Uh, and he loves Tyler, and he re- and he thinks very highly of Tyler. So, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess 
what would you do, Tim? If if Houston says we'll do this deal with you, you give us Tyler, you give us do you don't do no it. No matter what it is, I don't do it. I what? really don't. Unless you find a way to somehow keep Tyler Hero in it, which there's no possible way for that yeah. to happen. Yeah, I mean, you would. I guess Duncan would be the centerpiece of that trade. I don't think you know as much as I like Duncan, and I think he's probably one of you know maybe not the best because Steph Curry's playing now, but. Um, one of the top three shooters in the league, probably, and he's young, but I, I don't know if that's enough to get the best score in the NBA. I mean, the question becomes for the Heat, whether it's Tyler, Duncan, or both, and you hope not both, obviously. Yeah, both I don't think I would do. But, like, you know, Duncan Robinson's next contract is going to have eight figures in it a year, not seven. Like, has Duncan already sort of priced himself out here? I kind of wonder. Right. Like, did, do you have to move him to get something for him? Because I don't know if they can afford to keep him, even now with Giannis off the table. Like, it, like even, they were never going to be able to sign him. Like, yeah. Signing Giannis into space was fool's goal. Like, it was never going to happen. I, I, I don't – I, I kind of like who they are. I like what they have. Well, yeah. That's, that's my question. Like, I, I think people just – are like kind of ignoring the fact that maybe this team can just improve. Like Bam Adebayo can get better, and you already saw him shooting mid-range jumpers, which is going to take his game to the next level. Like maybe Tyler Hero will be even better. Maybe Duncan Robinson will be better. Um, Precious is an addition that you don't know what he's going to be. Avery Bradley, all of a sudden, you have one of the best perimeter defend- perimeter defenders in the league. Maybe going to be a big help for this team. Yeah, huge. And so maybe that's the play. Like be patient until something something you can't say like. This is debatable. I think the James Harden question is debatable for a lot of reasons. But there might be something that comes up in three months that is not debatable. It's, like, clear and the Heat better do it, you know? And maybe you just wait for that and you stay patient until then. I I know Jimmy's 31. I think that's the elephant in the room. You know, how many prime years of Jimmy do you have left, especially with how hard he plays? Um, You know, there's, there's an urgency to win now. But this team just made the finals, so, so, and I think it's a little better than last year. And I'm, I'm sitting here like, you know, our, our Eastern Conference or our conference previews, all the team previews moved on the wire earlier in the week. I think they all did. I haven't read them all. Um, I only wrote three of them. I didn't write them all. Thank God. <laughs> um, our conference previews moved Friday, and this year. You know, Brian Mahoney, my colleague in New York, and I, we flip it pretty much every year. And this year I'm writing the East preview. And part of that is we rank the teams 1 to 15. It's really difficult to be the Miami Heat beat writer for the Associated Press and objectively do rankings sometimes. <laughs> like, okay, on paper, I guess Milwaukee. Yeah. Maybe. Brooklyn, probably. I'm. Brooklyn, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Where do you put the East right now on paper in the East? Like, you really can't put them below, like, three. And I'm just doing, like, a regular season ranking. Right. Like, it doesn't – I picked the I, – I, I said in it, when I did the West last year, I picked the Lakers fourth in the West, and I said, but they will win the West. Like, I did it just, just – this is how I think they're going to be seeded going into the playoffs is, is the method of the ranking. You can't put the Heat below, like, three in a really good East. Yeah, they're really they're gonna be really good if if everyone's healthy and everything goes right. They're gonna be really good. Yeah, they're one of the four or I guess five teams if you include Philly that could real. And it's crazy to say this because it's crazy that five teams could realistically win the East, but there really are five teams that can realistically win the East, and that's not even counting Toronto. Who I I do want Toronto and so So six. Brooklyn, Boston, Miami, Philly, Toronto. Yeah, 
from Toronto, Philly, Milwaukee, Miami. Yeah. I mean, would you be shocked if any of those teams won the East? You know, at least two of those six teams will not get out of the first round. That's crazy. At least two. Which is only going to add to the fireworks next summer. Yeah. Because a bunch of really good teams aren't going to win a playoff series this year. A bunch of them in this league aren't going to win a playoff series. Yeah, and object and objectively, I mean, the Heat could be one of those teams. I mean, if they face Brooklyn in the first round, their matchup with Brooklyn and Kevin Durant's healthy, I mean, Kevin that could healthy and Goran Dragic has the foot thing. Yeah, in this match in the first round instead of last year's finals, guess what? They could go home. That that's and that's what made the bubble so fun, and it reminds you how really good Spo is. Like I still laugh at the people who say Spo isn't a Hall of Famer. Like, you're out of your minds. Yeah, he's... You, really, you really, really are. I, I don't... We, we promised David we wouldn't do three hours. So <laughs> I'm going to get off to James Harden conversation. I don't want to do season predictions. Like, that would be unfair without David. So hold off on that. Okay. But I did want to ask you for one, one specific prediction. And I'm actually going to go first because I think I know what you're going to say. And I'm not going to... I'm, I'm going to get this... Because it goes along with what we were just saying about, you know... Duncan, Tyler, they could get better. Jimmy could get better. I want to ask you who the surprise on this Heat team or what you think you'll be, be surprised by this year by this Heat team. Mm-hmm. For me, it's KZ at Powell. And, and I go back to how, you know, the Heat had him ranked as a lottery talent. They did not have him ranked too far below Tyler on their board when they got him. Um, basically, last year was his redshirt. I think, and he was, don't read into it, he was the first guy off the bench on Monday. Is he the sixth man, Tim? Is he going to be the sixth man for the Heat this season? I think Derek Jones. <laughs> I think he's Derek Jones. He yes. was the sixth man Monday. He's at I least know. in the top nine. But look, and stop, stop with <laughs> um, I think he'll be the surprise. I think it's a good surprise. I think people are curious. I think he is, he's not... He's not really a 3 and D guy, but maybe he's a deep 2 and D guy, if that makes any sense. Like, I think he'll give them something. And having a year in this system, they like him. There just wasn't really a place for him last year. I think there's going to be a place for him this year. I think he's going to be not this year's Duncan in that he's going to come out and hit a million threes like Duncan did last year. Like, that's not going to be it. But I do think he's going to be the, the piece that is, along with Avery Bradley, along with Mo, along with Precious. I mean, obviously those guys were added. I think people are going to be surprised at at the contributions KZ makes. Do, do, what, do you have a person, or is it more of a thing that you think people are going to be surprised by by this team? It's, good kind, or of, bad. it's kind of more of a thing, and it's a good thing. Um, I, I, this team defense was an issue last season. Uh, well, not a huge issue. I mean, they were mediocre, but based on, you know, for the for the Heat standards, it wasn't a good defensive year. I think they finished with a top 10 defense in four straight years. Then last year, I think they were 12, and I think they were 8th out of 16th in the playoffs. Like, they were a mediocre defensive team, if you look at the numbers. I think they're going to be, I want to say top 5, but I kind of want to say top 7. I'm going to go top 5. I think they're going to be a top 5 defensive team. And I think they will be 
three players on this roster. Two players who definitely will make all defensive team because they're going to be in the top five, Jimmy and Bam. And I think Avery is going to get votes. I think there will be three guys in the roster who will get votes for the all defensive team. I don't know if that's going out on a limb or not, but that's my, uh, I guess, my surprise. Aren't we... Are you an all? I'm an all defense voter. Are you an all defense voter? Yes, I was. Well, we could just stack the deck and say we're going to vote for all three of them. Therefore, your your, your prediction. Comes uh, that's to that's actually a good point. Yeah, uh, not counting us two. Can we say that then? I'll say that. They'll get more than two votes. Yes. I don't think they'll be top five. I don't. And and the reason I say that is, have you looked at the schedule? Like, the schedule is scary for me, and I'm not playing. Like. I think that dreaded phrase, load management. You think that's going to be a huge be a yeah. thing this year here? Yeah. I get a feeling it's going to be. Um, like, I wonder how many back-to-backs will Jimmy play? How many back-to-backs will Goran play? How many back-to-backs will Andre play? How many, you know, I'm actually, you know what a great break spell caught last year was? Remember when he did the last game, the last seeding game, against Indiana. And it meant nothing. Right. Like, if you lose, you're five. If you win, you're the four. But if you lose, your draft pick goes up like five. Yeah. It meant precious. That's what it meant, yeah. It meant precious. But you know what else it meant? Bam didn't play that game. Right. Now Bam is carrying that game's played streak into this season. And I don't think... I, I, I It's so minor. I think it's so big. If Bam needs a night off, Spo isn't going to have to think about a streak. And it shouldn't matter, but believe me, it does to a lot of guys. Bam has a streak right now of zero regular season games played. It's going to make, if you need to give him a night off, it's going to make it, I think, a lot simpler. I, I think. I do think that's something. Do you think Jimmy, Jim, this is considering that he's healthy all season, which who knows, obviously. But right. do you think there's no ankle or yeah. not for COVID or something like that? Right. Anyway. Do you think Jimmy plays more than 55 regular season games this season? I think. I would take the over on 55. If you said 62, I'd take the under. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I think it would be around the 60 range. I could see him taking off at least 10 games just because of back-to-back or three games in four nights or something like that. There's a lot of that. And also, like, I mean, the league frowns upon it. But look, the the mission of, of all 30 teams in the league, with the possible exception of maybe OKC this year because they just want draft picks, for all 30 teams is win a championship, right? And how do you win a championship? You get to the playoffs as healthy as you can be. Yeah. yeah. Playing, playing Jimmy in 68 games this year. Okay, what's it matter? Right. I mean, I don't know if fans are going to be back for the playoffs. You would like to think so. You'd like to think home court's going to matter in the playoffs, but... I don't think it's going to matter that much. Yeah. I, I think given the choice between having game one of the first round at home or having the 10 guys you're going to play be all like 90% and up and ready to go, you take that every day. Like, yeah. you, know, you can win a game on the road in the playoffs. If you're going to play a championship, you're going to win on the road at some point. So. Yeah, and I think, I think that that was one of the things that helped the Heat last season where I know a lot of teams had this break, but it – really helped the Heat's veterans. You saw in Jimmy and Goron, um, that, that four-month break. I mean, obviously it was unfortunate that it happened because it happened for a bad reason, but that four-month break, you saw a different Goron after that 
well, after the shutdown. So, well, you and I talked. I remember the conversation. Like it was that night. It was before the game. Yeah. Rick Bennell was in on it too. The, the the great writer from the Charlotte Observer who covers covers the Hornets. Hashtag two weeks. Hashtag two weeks. I did just so everyone knows. <laughs> walking out of the building that night, Rick Bennell asked me how long I think the shutdown is going to go, and I said two weeks. <laughs> that was right. It lasted two weeks. And. 17 other weeks, but I, it did last two weeks. I was correct. I didn't say in its entirety. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but the point was the Heat were not playing well on March 11th. No, they weren't. This thing could have gone the wrong way. Yeah. Especially with the schedule that they had. I mean, yes, they, they did they did have some, some easy games coming. Hashtag Knicks. They were playing. <laughs> they were going to, but they weren't playing great. You're right. And, you know, we all forget that because pandemic kind of overshadowed yeah. obviously everything in the world as it should have but it, it was it was just a really unusual year an unusual way to end it an unusual place to end it and now next year's already here it's crazy it's it absolutely is. crazy it is but are we done tim i think i think we can probably wrap it up there um david wilson will be back next week back in the driver's seat of the Ferrari that is the Heat Check Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at DBWilson2. Anthony, tell the people where they can follow you. At Anthony underscore Chang. You can follow Tim Reynolds at, go go ahead, Tim Reynolds. At by Tim Reynolds, B-Y Tim Reynolds. Be sure to check out everything, especially now, everything that Anthony and David are doing at MiamiHerald.com. And for goodness sake, subscribe and share this podcast at wherever you get your pods from the internet. For my friend Anthony Chang, the Miami Herald's fantastic Miami beat writer, I'm Tim Reynolds of the AP. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy new season, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. You're good at this, Tim.